0: Welcome back to Relevant Founders, brought to you by Relevant Software. Relevant is an international software development company that designs, builds and delivers world-class standard products for Fortune 500 companies and promising startups. In our next episode of Relevant Founders podcast, we are joined by Jacob Cudson, co-founder and CEO of Butter, in which Jacob will share with us how to build and manage a product team distributed across 11 countries. Better is a tool designed to make hosting interesting and interactive sessions easy. Batter provides all the tools you need in one place while engaging participants with intuitive features to combat that Zoom-like fatigue we all experienced during the pandemic. Today, in this episode, Jacob, based on his experience building Batter over the last year and a half, provides us with some fresh insights on how to manage a distributed team, Which countries have the best candidates and how to find the diamond in the rough? How to close the candidate? Butters take on outsourcing and ways to keep focused and avoid being sucked into fake work. Okay, guys, let's get to it. So, uh, Jacob. Hello, thank you for being here with us today. It's really amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. (laughs) Um, Just introduce yourself to us. Uh, Introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, I I think you did it very well, Matthew. So my
1: name's Jacob, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Butter, which is like Zoom, but for complex collaborative sessions. So you put it very well. Um, again, we started building Butter, I think it's a year and a half ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. So under COVID, we were actually doing, my co-founders and I, we were doing, we were doing workshops for teams that have been pushed remotely uh, by COVID. Um, mm. we, <laughs> we'd actually built a remote team before we managed to run that startup into the uh-huh. ground. Uh, but we're really passionate about this whole thing about building remote teams. So that was why we, we started doing workshops, helping others out that were uh, doing, uh, that were suddenly pushed remotely by COVID and didn't know how to, how to work together remotely. So, but that was when we kind of saw that we were having pretty severe issues running these uh, virtual workshops uh, for, for the other teams. And the first thing we saw was the technical overload of managing Zoom together with Miro together with Mentimeter. So this huge amount of tools that we had to manage together with actually facilitating the core content. And the second thing that we saw was it was very hard to kind of get people engaged and energized in these sessions and lean in instead of like switching off their cameras and leaning back. And that was kind of what made us start out with building butter so again we started it to for for workshops but have since grown to focus more on all types of collaborative sessions that you can imagine so everything from workshops to training sessions to brainstorms Mm -hmm. nice
0: how did this idea of butter actually come about though with regards um so you've got your other co-founders as well was it a conversation Mm -hmm. just sat down and thought Man, I'm tired of using Zoom. How did it come about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was something like that, right? <laughs> we just saw the pain of having
1: to manage everything. Like Zoom is a great tool, as is Teams and Meet, right? But it's very much a utility, right? It's a call tool. It's a video tool. It's not really meant for modern-day collaboration. So it doesn't leverage a lot of the things that you see in... Uh, that, that that digital basically allows you to do, such as a constant record keeping or allowing a lot of preparation to be to be pulled into your work, right? So you would prepare a lot of the stuff that you have to do for a workshop or for your training session or for your collaborative session. You prepare that elsewhere and then you'd screen share and then mm-hmm. you might take notes in hand or whatever, right? It's not that fully fledged experience that you'd have, that you'd expect from a digital first world. So that was kind of what got us on the path to butter. like, hey, we we should be able to build something that's just so much better than this, like, more evolution of Skype, which which Mm -hmm. Zoom is.
0: Mm -hmm. Very nice. It's actually, it's very true. I mean, when you're using the screen share and all these things, you have to, one second, one second, let me find my screen, you know, so it stops time. Exactly, Um, exactly. We're joking
1: about this thing that when, when someone screen shares, it's like using that magic word of someone in the anime screaming the, the <laughs> name of the skill they want to use. Let me screen share, right? Because then exactly. screen share appears, right? Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: You know, so, it, yeah, it is yeah. one of those things. And sometimes, I've been for it before, I've been like, damn, where do I find the screen? Mm-hmm. share? So where is my screen? Um, so exactly. yeah, it keeps the flow as well, basically, doesn't it? It keeps the flow and doesn't give these kind of pauses for people to lose interest in, in what's being said. Exactly. And that's, that's basically what
1: we build in Butter. We instead of building screen share, for instance, we build a lot of integration. So, for instance, Miro or Mural or Google uh, Google Suite, it would uh, open directly in Butter. So you don't have to, you know, open something at, on the side. You'd be mm-hmm. able to collaborate directly in there. Polls, flashcards, a lot of stuff. You're able to collaborate directly on that in in Butter, which is also a video conferencing tool. So you have that kind of combination of things.
0: So is that just something that you you kind of grab and put there and save there before your meeting? How does that work? Yeah.
1: Exactly. So we've got what we call the what we call the toolbox, which is a
0: a, a lot
1: of tools that you're able to prepare before the meeting takes place in Butter. Mm-hmm. So, with Butter, you've got rooms. So, we imagine it like you'd, <laughs> if you'd prepare for a session in a real physical room, you'd go in there and you'd set stuff up up front, right? Mm-hmm. The same you'd do in a Butter room. So, you'd go in there, prepare your toolbox, and the toolbox could be polls that you prepared, it could be a mirror board that you prepared, uh, 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 or flashcards, or whatever you want to prepare in there. Then you set up the agenda. So, you'd set up a full agenda for the meeting, and you're able to attach tools to that, though, to the various agenda points. Mm-hmm. Then when you when you basically start up the session where you'd, you'd send out a link to people, they're able to join in directly in, in their browser um, and they, you can then launch the agenda and as the agenda progresses, you're able to launch those tools directly from the agenda. So say you want to start out with a little icebreaker YouTube video, you simply click, you start up the agenda and you click start on YouTube video and boom, nice. it appears for everyone. Right. Mm. And so, and as you progress, maybe you have a poll running afterwards and then boom, you click the poll button and, and and that particular poll that you prepped is pulled up and et cetera. So that's basically how we've we've built Butter to be that fully kind of engaging interactive tool. We've got
0: everything prepared up front. Amazing. You know, I actually had to play around with it. No, I had to play around with I it. Did. I did. Ah, awesome. It, <laughs> yeah. And it is one of these things that I was surprised with how, quick and easy actually is to put everything there and kind of just make it boom work straight away you haven't got those gaps you press the button boom up it comes um yeah. tell me uh, jacob tell me who is butter for is it for meetings is it for teachers who is it for centrally that's a great question. So we actually
1: did uh, the first half year of building, building Butter, we did a lot of interviews and we interviewed everyone that was doing workshops or training sessions or like so anyone that had the title of consultant, of facilitator, mm-hmm. of teacher, of trainer uh, to kind of identify what kind of problems they had. And the initial thinking was we just built it for the most complex collaborative cases, which would be workshops, where you actually try to kind of get together to workshop through a particular problem. What we've since seen is adoption throughout less complex uh, collaborative sessions. So, training, so a lot of training organizations that do developer trainings, the UX trainings, or teachings, they, they picked up butter as well because there's also a lot of preparation there. We, for instance, also got very complex breakout sessions that is very often used in, in training sessions. So we've seen that happen. We've seen uh, designers that do design sprints or, or, or product sprints with their teams uh, pick it up. We've seen uh, we've even seen uh, big companies use it for town hall meetings because it's just inherently more. Uh, uh, more interactive, but mm-hmm. it's still, we still focus very much on the collaborative meetings. So we we do not build butter for webinars, for instance, where it's only one person speaking to a lot of others. We do not build butter for one-on-one conversations because that's not where you need to use all these tools and prepare as much. Uh, but any kind of, t- any type of, any type of session, or any type of meeting where there's collaboration
0: taking place, that's the, what we build butter for. Mm-hmm. definitely so you go it, it's more the interactiveness if that is a word for, around it isn't exactly it? The, exactly the, the idea of being able to yeah interact with people okay um and we've we've, we've defined it very much as what we've seen is uh, sessions that are the most structured a session
1: is so the mm-hmm. more you focus on on very important outcomes from that session the more you prepare the session the more people tend to take advantage of of all the powerful features and better Mm-hmm.
0: absolutely so preparation is really key exactly, exactly okay <laughs> um so you said a little bit about your uh, co-founders as well am i uh, right in believing you've got three uh, co-founders for, for yeah well we've got two so we are three co-founders but we've got i've got two co-founders
1: mm-hmm. um so <laughs> and, and we we met back in so we're building a previous startup before stream Crux, which was really in game streaming <laughs> and uh-huh. we totally managed to run it into the ground. Um, uh, but we had a pretty unique, both a unique chemistry, but also a good composition of types of, of people. So uh, okay, you talk about this, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly skills, kind of complementary skills. So you talk of this trio of the, the, the hacker, the hipster, and the hustler. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and the hacker would be my co-founder, Adam, our CTO. The hipster is my co-founder, Chris, who's a designer. I was chief product officer. And I guess that would make me, make me the hustler, mm-hmm. uh, the salesperson
0: or the, the marketing person. So I've got a background within that. <laughs> I saw, actually, uh, I I believe it's on your your YouTube, I saw um, a video of you, like, uniting for the first time since COVID. How was that? How was that experience?
1: Not just since COVID, Matthew. It's first time forever, right? So Chris and I, we live in Denver. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so Chris and I, we live in America, Indonesia, and Adam, he's Malaysian living in Indonesia. So so, so we never met with Adam. So we actually uh-huh. started out the company
0: without ever meeting as wow. co-founders. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so so we How has that, how <laughs> was that a kind of influenced on building Blaster? Has how, how difficult has it been to create that bond between you? Honestly, like, again, as, as, as you might
1: surmise, I'm an old gamer, right? So I used to be a bit like do world of warcraft raids back in the day and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff right mm-hmm. and it, it, i've always thought that it's amazing that kind of uh, you're, you're able to do a lot of coordination and build a lot of bonds online without ever meeting to be honest and i think gaming is one of the finest uh, examples of that uh, mm-hmm. uh so it's been the same, like Adam and and Adam and I and Chris and Adam have, have literally spent thousands of hours on like video calls and butter calls <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, along the, the 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 path of butter. So it's it's not it's not difficult. It's way easier than you think it is to be honest. Mm-hmm. I would, however, say that there's still something absolutely special about meeting in person and having a beer together, right? That's just not able to be replicated
0: online. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I also saw there was some kind of, I can't remember exactly, so correct me, but there was a first meeting of all of you. So it wasn't just the CTOs. It was some yeah. kind of quarterly meeting that happened not long ago.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's the full leadership team. So we're, we're five people in the leadership team in Butter, right? So the three co-founders and then we've got Cheska who's running our growth and then Annette who's our chief of staff. Uh, so yeah. It's and how did that differ? Kind of how did person.
0: that differ then from online then?
1: Ah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing was the social components of it and the the team building aspects of it, right? So you're just able to interact in a way less... Uh, say pointed way are you able to interact without as much purpose as you okay. would normally when mm-hmm. you're sitting mm-hmm. online right mm-hmm. so it's rare like when you're in a call when you sit together and chat online often there's some kind of purpose with 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 what you're doing at that particular uh, point in time mm-hmm. um, but when you're meeting in person you can. I mean you'll spend hours together without any particular any particular purpose right mm-hmm. so I think we said that there were three different reasons for us kind of having the the leadership meeting the first thing was uh the first thing was setting the direction together. So we it it was a, it was a quarterly meeting. It was for a quarterly strategy planning, and a lot of that that conversation around like what is the bigger strategy of butter and where do we want to be in half a year was was defined there. The second thing was. Uh, the bonding part. So I believe very much that as a leadership team, it's incredibly important to, to eliminate all uh, the, uh, to create a lot of psychological safety and eliminate all the barriers that are, uh, or that, that would, would would prevent psychological safety between, mm-hmm. uh, between people. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that kind of bonding just happens even better in person. Mm-hmm. And the third thing was honestly just to remember why we're building a startup in the first place, namely the joy of, of doing so, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just, you know, sitting and having dinner together with people that you love uh, is uh, is amazing. So much more special. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's so much mm-hmm. more special, Matthew.
0: Uh, yeah. So it's was, it was, it was, it was such a pleasure. <laughs> Tell me then, uh, Jacob, how many, first of all, how many uh, employees have you got now at BASA? And well, yeah, so we, we are 18 people across 11 countries. Oh, yeah. okay. Fully remote. Yeah. 11 countries. Okay, so fully remote. They say, obviously, about the difficulties and not really difficulties, but the, let's say, complications, things that make a little bit, a little, that you know, that little bit more distant. How do you yes. manage your team 11 different countries, 11 different cultures. How do you manage that? Uh, I mean, so a lot of people talk about the difficulties of remote, but I think that
1: it's not so much the difficulties. It's more that the entry barriers are higher than the entry barriers for just, you know, plopping a lot of people together in a room and expecting them to somehow collaborate, right? Mm -hmm. It's because, like, when you're doing stuff remotely, a lot of things have to be way more specific. They have to be way more intentional. So you have to set up a very specific communication guidelines. For instance, we have very specific communication guidelines about how you talk together in Slack. You have to set up uh, very specific documentation doc guidelines, making sure that all decisions are documented and the backgrounds for those decisions are documented as to create the, the level of transparency because you don't have that hallway chatter that you would otherwise have. Mm-hmm. And you have to be extremely uh, conscious about the uh, social interactions that you create, right? So you'd have to engineer the coffee chats, right? Uh, setting them up in, in, in a structured manner. So a lot of those things have to be created in a way way more intentional way and that's of course more difficult than mm. if you just kind of let things be and you plop everyone in a room and and expect everyone to kind of find their way through through uh, unwritten uh, uh, um, unwritten rules mm. but i do believe that once you get that going it's actually way more efficient you, you're forced to be more efficient you're forced to be better inherently better than a co-located startup from the very beginning because otherwise you simply cannot function. So a lot of the best practices that good companies would do, even if you're co-located, they, um, they, they're basically forced upon you. And that was also, for instance, very clear when we had that leadership meetup uh, when uh, Adam and Chris, uh, uh, my two co-founders, were sitting talking and, oh, suddenly they came with this idea and, the, and uh, Chris uh, designed it and Adam started coding and, oh, it's magical but they did not document anything. So whenever the rest of the team had to pick up the stuff and kind of go with it, Adam and Chris were like, ah, like, mm-hmm. not actually write down all of our thoughts around this mm-hmm. process. We're not as diligent as we normally were. And it actually ended up slowing the longer process down. Well, we, we we would, like normally when we're doing it online, we do, right? But ah, they were sitting together at that time, uh, right? It was when they were physically sitting uh-huh. next to each other. So that's where, you know, it seems faster because in the moment, yes, you can communicate quicker, but in the longer run, when both when you scale, but when you also get just two steps further down and you've got other employees that need to kind of uh, 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 pick up things to scale you, then
0: it's it's much more efficient to be diligent on the documentation and mm-hmm. communication very interesting so um okay so 11 different countries 80 employees you say 80 employees mm-hmm. give a take um how do you hire how do you go about hiring because i've seen that it's a specific kind of let's say personality that you guys like at, at <laughs> yeah that
1: was a very good question uh matthew so um i think the sourcing part is the oh no there's there are a lot of difficult parts right? so i think hiring is both the 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 extreme strength and the extreme well, difficulty of a remote organization because you get you've got the entire world to choose from thumbs up but you've got the entire world to choose from thumbs down right i mean it's mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 great but it's very difficult so um we've set up very specific sourcing processes uh um for for finding new employees so it's a mix of uh, recruiters in key geographies we've got key geographies uh especially our dev team for instance that we we are very europe and asia centric there okay. uh, so we've got recruiters in in uh, africa like nigeria kenya uh, set up we've got recruiters in southeast asia set up we've got recruiters in southern europe set up um so we've got basically recruiters that help us source from those different geographies then we'd also post on local job boards in in our various target geographies um we would post on remote work uh, job boards as well mm-hmm. um, and then we do a lot of cold outreach on linkedin to often to employees of unicorns or well performing companies in yeah. the target geographies mm-hmm. set up like automated linkedin flows to, to to reach out to people there that actually provides again it but but as you hear like it's very it's still geography centric in our recruitment because you have to start somewhere. And that was actually what was very difficult for us to understand to begin with, because how do you recruit the entire world? Mm. But just a- a identifying these different key geographies where, where we believe that we can source great talent from has been has been key,
0: key for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about these key geographies, which, um, let's say, which countries have been the countries that have really stood out for you? Which countries have yeah. stood out and why? So I'm very much,
1: uh, I really love this concept of a diamond in the rough, you know, Uh finding amazing people in places that you wouldn't normally expect it. Um, so again, I, I lived two and a half years in Indonesia, for instance, and, uh, And that's a country of 250 million, right? The fourth biggest country in the world. Absolutely huge. Uh, Sadly, the education system is not really fully up to snuff, but there's still some absolutely extraordinary individuals that find their way through that education Mm. system, almost in spite of that education system, that teach themselves stuff, right? Mm. Especially coding, for instance. So we found absolutely amazing talent there the same thing we're seeing in nigeria again africa's most populous country so many so much great skill so much talent there uh so i think those have been the two big surprises then we also found people in some of the more like traditional geographies like india which is a well-known geography i think to, to recruit from and uh, portugal we've also found quite a, quite a few uh, uh, strong people there so uh, it's a bit all over
0: the place uh, i i'd say um mm-hmm. yeah
1: but those are some of the most surprising geographies. Really, <laughs> so the world is
0: really at your fingertips. There, yeah. So oh you yeah, I know it's so amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. with regards to actually, I remember reading one of your articles about finding the diamond in the rough. And um, these people may not be the you know the top scorers at college. These may not be the uh, straight A shoot, uh, shooter uh, student, but they may be the ones that actually become the best um, employees. How do you find that though? Because it's hard for those people to kind of shine when they are kind of they haven't got that red brick university. They haven't got that thing on their CV which pushes them forwards. How do you yeah. spot that? So
1: it's hard to it's hard to to find them from a resume perspective, but it's not necessarily hard to spot them. Ah, it's also hard to spot, but but you can better spot them once you get them in the process, right? Ah, so yeah. I think <laughs> the first part about that is announcing that you're looking. For. For diamonds in mm-hmm. the rough, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just announcing that openness, both to the world, but also to yourself and to your team, right? Because you, in that way, you uh, you kind of try to pull away inherent biases, and you tell people that you want to pull away inherent biases. It's of course way easier said than done, but one of the other ways we're doing that is through like when you apply to butter, you go through a questionnaire. Like we've got some 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 uh, also some slightly uh, non uh, what you say. Not very normal questions, uh-huh. such as I think, uh, would you rather fight uh, one horse-sized duck or a hundred horse uh, duck-sized horses, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, <laughs> and stuff Is like that of course not mm-hmm. do they have to <laughs> explain I, their reason as to why I, I still believe that i would much rather fight the the, the 100 uh, <laughs> duck-sized horses because they're like small and i like, can kick them away uh, right but it was the huge duck like that scares the shit scary. out of me. but yeah. <laughs> but you know now it's the reasoning and it's like i think it's also how they roll with the punches for that like you see some people they just have fun with that answer mm-hmm. right? and that's amazing um, so, I think that's one thing. I think another thing is just in the interview process, um, we focus, we have skill based interviews, which which help a lot. Uh, but we also focus a lot on the individual stories, you know, how they got there and focus a lot on the, the difficulties that people have gone through in their lives. People that have gone through a lot of difficulties and are able to explain them and talk through how they, they powered through them, they are often extraordinary people. Uh, so, whereas the st- the, the straight A students and I think I can say that myself I was a straight A student that mm-hmm. uh, for, for a long time and 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 then I went through a lot of difficulties and you know it's not the straight A's that made me uh, what I am today it was way more the difficulties um so it is like identifying those difficulties uh, that um that I think kind of gives us some indication of of these uh, these diamonds but it is a very rigorous recruiting process we take people we take people through and we, we try to be extremely open-minded that
0: interesting how long does the process usually take if it's rigorous oh a week two weeks oh. maybe oh. Uh, okay very nice but but it's not the it's not the speed like so, so
1: we try to go very quickly to uh, to decision but okay. it's more like i think we go through five or six interviews uh, for for each person for instance
0: How do you um, compete with, let's say, the the big techs out there, the Microsofts of the world, the Googles? How do you compete against them? Obviously, being a startup, very new, well, relatively, one and a half years. (laughs) How do you give people that kind of come with us, join with us, you will grow, you've got this guarantee? What do you do?
1: Uh, I so I actually, I don't think those are the ones that are hard to compete with because it's very different people that try to apply for Microsoft than to Butter. Uh that the harder ones to compete with are the well-funded, slightly further down the line, like Series C, Series D startups uh, that still provide excellent salaries and a, a, and a pretty high growth trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the ones that might still attract the same, same kinds of individuals. I think the big thing is that just the massive amount of ownership that you get in a in an early stage startup such as ours. And, and I'm not I'm not just talking equity. we actually also give equity to all of our employees. but uh, I, I mean more in terms of just, um, we okay, can say uh, uh, the the chunks of butter <laughs> uh, that you're able to kind of that you're able to take ownership of and actually build make it into your own. Um, mm-hmm. So one example, for instance, is is uh, is our, our Indian backend developer Abish who joined in as an intern back in the middle of last year. We actually we specifically said we didn't want to do interns because we didn't feel we had the capacity to to teach and i think interns should be a teaching position right so mm-hmm. to really give and teach a person but he was very persistent and and uh said that he would really provide value from day one really work hard and Okay, he managed to convince us. Okay, we'll take him in his turn. And and he just took an amazing part, uh, amazing amount of ownership and started uh, doing uh, doing pretty pretty uh, crazy stuff. He, he for instance built our back, uh, or he, he was the main driver of our background blur uh, uh, functionality in in the early days. And and he since then like he's joined full time early this year and has since then uh, started taking ownership of, for instance, our tracking, a lot of our anal- analytics and data structures structures uh way more than you'd expect from a junior that's 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 four months out of college you know mm-hmm. um and that's just one of the
0: things that if you want to take that ownership the space is there to do that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the ability to kind of i guess grow with the startup isn't it the grow with the startup and the more you put in the likelihood of the the startup being able to grow and, and thrive will also happen so um, what you put in helps out help, helps you and the startup at the same time right and it's that I think there's the
1: freedom to take that like but that also puts a lot of responsibility on you because if you don't want to take that responsibility if you don't want to take that ownership then it's also a huge
0: missed opportunity in a way yeah Uh, yeah yeah. it's very true um tell me okay so you're hiring from uh, lots of different countries why or do you do you um Outsource To me, it seems like you're not outsourcing. You're more taking on hiring these on. What are your opinions about outsourcing and what puts you off, it seems, then? Or did you? Uh, have you? <laughs> mm. No, we, we didn't. Uh, so actually,
1: so, so we didn't do outsourcing. And I think in, in the earlier days of a startup, uh, I think it's very important to have tight control over your product. Um, mm. You need to do, you often need to do a lot of pivots. You need to change stuff a lot and change stuff very fast. Uh, which honestly just, just speaks for a very lean team for quite some time and and, and maybe an, uh, like an even like we were we were six people for the first uh, eight months, I think. so okay. very small, very lean team, right? Um, uh, once you begin having more clarity on what the direction is, and especially once you have full- on product and market fit, then you're more into scaling mode. And I think once you're into scaling mode, then having outsourced resources can help you, but you need to have those very clearly defined barriers of what you need delivered. Because if you yeah. cannot do that, then outsourced resource, like even having employees, is dangerous. And outsourced is just one one step uh, one step further than that. So so uh, that that can be that can be uh, that can be quite challenging in the early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: once you scale, it can be very powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it something that you would be thinking about doing in the future or as you grow, or would you still want to keep it kind of in-house? I think
1: it's a question of, so yes, it's definitely something that I'll consider, but it's a question, I think the the, the most perfect uh, instances of outsourcing would be clearly, def- Clearly scoped projects that can almost run at the sidelines of your core product, right? Mm-hmm. So if you need a, a clearly delineated product, a thing produced at the sidelines of your core product that will then tap into your product later, and then it's 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 great because you all you don't want to you wanna, don't want to scale up your your team resources uh, or, or your team overhead for longer periods of time just for this project. Uh, so that that would be one way where it would be very helpful. A mm-hmm. Second way where it would be helpful is when you're scaling, but you just can't hire quickly enough. You simply cannot source your people quick enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then it would also be a,
0: an instance where I'd be uh, be interested in in, in using our tools. Interesting, very interesting, Jacob. Um, okay, let's move on slightly. Let's talk about um challenges so the challenges of uh better so far so you um and actually your co-founders you've all been very very open about your past and other uh, startups that you've um worked on before what are you doing what are all three of you doing differently at better which you haven't done in the past which is making better work again the big thing um the big thing especially compared to our
1: previous startup was that we were very diligent in understanding the problem that we were solving for the user from day one mm-hmm. uh, from day zero like and, and 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 validating that. I think in the first half year I did or not not I but but we did over 800 interviews. I think at the height of it I was doing 30 to 50 interviews a week oh, or something uh, like that, right uh, so and that's just that's central to everything right if you if you get if you don't get the problem right, you will fail. It's mm-hmm. Just no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're not solving a real problem, you will fail. If you fool yourself into thinking that you're solving a problem, you will also fail. Right. So mm-hmm. it's it's about asking these questions the right way, uh, and continuously trying to understand which value, uh, which value are we creating for the user, or can we create for the user? And that's also what we're like. We're extremely focused on both customer feedback, but also customer interviews. So, I mean, feedback only tells you whether you need a, a faster horse, right? Uh, whereas the, the customer interviews will really tell you whether whether it's the car or where the car is, right? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, so so that's that that's why we're both doing the, the feedback and, and the exploratory interviews. And even, even now, we're still early stage, and I think it's very dangerous, even though we're seeing quite extraordinary growth, I think it's still very dangerous to get... Um, to get complacent mm-hmm. into thinking that you you you've nailed it and that you truly understand exactly which problem you're solving, mm-hmm. so it's important to always keep your mind open about this and to mm-hmm. to listen
0: very much to your users and the market and and the potential problems that you could be solving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so often i hear from speakers on a guests on our podcast is putting yourself in customer's shoes really looking at it from the customer's angle you can lose contact uh, with the world a lot of the time you can get bogged down in what you're doing but the main thing is to look at it from the customer's perspective yeah. um so yeah absolutely this is one thing that absolutely everyone uh, agrees with um, so tell me about a challenge that you are facing right now. What is one of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now? Post-COVID now. So you've gone over the, well, let's say almost post-COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I think one of the bigger ones is, is probably making sure that we that we build extremely performant video tech, right? So getting, like, again, a lot of people think that video is a solved problem, like, uh, that uh, oh yeah, it's just something you plug in and then it works. But we are quite ambitious in b- terms of both the quality we want for our in-product video mm-hmm. and for the the, the quantity and, and like, for instance, number of tiles and and, and the, the vision of what Butter can become in terms of, of a video mm-hmm. constant tool. So that's that's something that we're we're really
0: pushing to the boundaries and putting a lot of focus on these days. Mm-hmm. So. Nice, very nice. And has um, obviously being within the boundaries of COVID, has that, obviously you're, well, actually, I guess your idea came from being from COVID, yeah? So uh, yeah. Zoom all the time. How uh, has that now, how is it now affecting your company moving out of COVID? Oh, it's,
1: it's been so interesting, to be honest. Like, so we, and we saw a lot of, we saw a lot of growth in areas that we didn't expect uh, would be interesting areas during mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. um one big example were uh teachers in in brazil and taiwan so teachers in brazil and taiwan i'd say especially brazil they picked up butter and started using us tremendously during COVID lockdowns um and that was before we had introduced pricing um and uh and it turned out, and, and we were always worried that this use case, education use case, teaching use case, would be something where people would be going back to, uh, well, back to the class and 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 back to the uh, well, back in, in into the physical yeah, into physical yeah, means, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be entirely correct. So we saw all that huge usage, like huge spike of usage within the education field, uh, drop away very much last uh, last year. But the good news was that our initial focus on workshops and trainings and professional B2B um, use cases, that's only kept on growing even after COVID. Um, So, and and that just turns out, like, that just shows how important it is to be very specific on on your target market there. Uh, I mean, remote work is definitely there to stay and remote facilitation, re- uh, remote trainings, workshops, collaborative sessions is something that's definitely there to stay. Mm-hmm. And that I'm just
0: very happy that we that we keep on seeing. growth. I absolutely agree with you there. I think remote work is something that if someone personally, if someone took the concept of the ability to work remote away from me, I wouldn't be interested in the job. Um, yeah, it's something yeah. that's really really important <laughs> to me to have that kind of freedom you know yeah. and I think as you've said we've obviously working with uh, lots of different um countries the world has got smaller in uh, yeah. in the good sense <laughs> um <laughs> what uh, trends do you see emerging uh this year Jacob that is a big question mm-hmm. um I think
1: one big thing that's that that's touching very closely on me is this whole uh, is this whole uh, trend of figuring out how this hybrid hybrid work mode is uh, is going to go on because a lot of people are going back to office but a lot of people are staying away um so people have to figure out how do we actually work together when some people are in office and some people are, are home i'm a I do not believe that hybrid work is a real thing though. I think either you work together as though everyone's a remote, mm-hmm. uh, is remote, or you work together in a way where everyone's physical, this whole way of having several people like cramming into a, a screen, like in a conference room, and one person appearing in a big, uh, like on a on a on a big television, that's just archaic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think that people people like that's a big trend of people having to figure out exactly how to how to work together in this uh, in, in a hybrid world. And I, I think a lot of people will be getting it wrong the
0: first time. <laughs> right. very, it's very true. It's kind of like the the X Men. <laughs> Um, exactly, isn't it? <laughs> the experts situation. I so. love that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, very interesting. What about last question for you? Um, I always like to get from the speakers: what is the biggest or the best uh, type of advice they have ever been given that they can share with our listeners to make their startups grow and thrive? What has been kind of the best bit of advice you have gained over the last few years, which you can share? Oh yeah. It's hard because the best
1: one is definitely the whole listen to users thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, there's just no doubt there. Um, I think it's this thing about being incredibly honest to yourself about how your startup performance. No, no, let me. No, I I know yeah. what the best one is. Uh-huh. Do not get fooled by fake work. Like, get not. Do not get pulled into fake work. Mm. As a startup founder, you can do so many things that. Feel like work, like going to conferences or uh, you know doing lots of uh, speaking engagements. Or actually, that might be helpful. But um, uh, sitting doing a lot of analytics on a very small subset of of, of things, right? Or uh, there's a lot of work there that, or like doing a lot of administrative stuff that mm-hmm. seems very important to you because you're doing a business, you're building a company, right? But it's so easy to get kind of get pulled into this fake fake work world as a startup founder, but do like, be honest to that, to yourself, is this really moving the needle on uh, your key metric for your startup? Um, is this really driving more usage? Is it really driving more revenue? Uh, is this really solving the problem for the user? Uh, and, and I mean, that's really something that scares the hell out of me is ending up doing a lot of fake work um oh yeah one one thing that that really gets me up is startup uh, competitions that's the that's the ultimate fake work like it it does not move any needle whatsoever to be mm-hmm. part of a competition or win a competition mm-hmm. um so i think that's that's kind of the best uh the best thing don't get bogged down into fake i
0: think that's actually really really amazing advice and really important because you know a marketing plan you could do it in a couple of pages or you could do it in 10 and yep. what do you actually need to do it? And you've got your target audience, you need to find what you need to do, how to get your money, how to build your startup. They you go bish, bash, brush, as they say, and off you go. Um, exactly. And okay. this whole thing about like, do, do two things build product and talk to users. <laughs> then you'll be pretty
1: well off, right? I mean, it just do awesome. those two things and you'll be pretty well off, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: Jacob, thank you very much. I know you're uh, very busy and got time. I haven't got much time left. So I just want to say thank you very much for joining us today on Relevant Founders. It's been amazing to have your expertise and uh, listen to everything better as well. And uh, I wish you and better all the success in the near and long future. And um, yeah, may your... Uh, development keep on going and made the growth keep on growing. So, uh, thank, thank you so guys. much, Matthew. It was a pleasure to be here.